Hi everyone, it's Adam Leventhal back once again. Welcome to the Athletics Premier League Countdown podcast with the return of the 2019-20 season only days away. We're releasing 20 podcasts on the Ornstein and Chapman feed, each one dedicated to a different Premier League team. That is two podcasts a day, every day, up until football returns. Now, if you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up right now and take advantage of our 30-day free trial simply by going to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to enjoy the best football writing anywhere just as the season makes its return. In this episode, we are discussing Tottenham, who sit eighth in the Premier League table, and we can welcome the Athletics' Jack Pitbrook. Jack, very good to have you on board. You're also the host of The View from the Lane, our Spurs podcast here at The Athletic, which has been running episodes all season and throughout the lockdown. But what's been going on and what's to come, I guess? Well, it's been a it's been a fun time for the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Adam. But it's been we've been looking at former players, former seasons, old debates. Uh, we've done specials. I think on almost it feels like almost every season and anyone who's ever played for Tottenham over the last few months. But we are tremendously excited about getting back to real football. Um, we're going to have a show at the start of next week looking forward to the Manchester United game and then we're going to have a show I think straight after the Manchester United game which is next Friday night uh, giving us live reaction with hopefully uh, my colleague Charlie Eccleshare who will be at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to discuss it. Excellent. That sounds uh, very, very good indeed. Look forward to listening. Um, yeah, and it's worth mentioning that, you know, Charlie as well is part of the uh, the reporting team that covers Tottenham for The Athletic. Um, let's just rewind back to pre-lockdown. Just remind us how things were going for Tottenham because it was, it was, it was a bit choppy, wasn't it, to say the least? Yeah, things were going very badly, uh, I think it's safe to say. They were... Spurs hadn't won in their last six games. Uh, they'd been knocked out of the Champions League 4-0 by RB Leipzig in the last 16. They'd been knocked out of the FA Cup on penalties by Norwich City in a game which is now much more famous for Eric Dyer charging into the stands. Their last win was on the 16th of February. Um, they'd taken one point from the last three Premier League games. They were eighth place in the Premier, in the Premier League table, seven points away from fourth. They were looking like they were heading for, you know, a very unusually low points total for for Tottenham. And basically everything was going wrong, Adam. It was not a happy time. You know, who knows what effect this stoppage will have on Spurs and how good they'll be when football comes back. But certainly it was going very badly back in February and March. So, I mean, I I suppose the hope will be that this... Um, this hiatus in the season will will prove to be a reset for them under Jose Mourinho. That what four points behind Manchester United. Obviously, as you, as you mentioned, they face them on on Friday. Um, do you see them closing the gap and and getting back into the Champions League places? Is what's, what's your gut feeling at the moment? My gut feeling, Adam, is that I'm actually quite confident about Spurs' ability to turn this around. Um, I think that. Having Harry Kane and Human Son and Musa Sissoko all back at the same time will make a huge difference for Spurs. They were desperately missing Kane and Son in those last few months of you know what we might call the regular season. I also think that the the conditions of behind closed doors, like again, we don't know, but I suspect they'll suit Spurs. You know, these are experienced players. They've played a lot of European and international football. I think they know. I think they will be able to perform well without having a crowd 
behind them. I think Mourinho will be able to adjust well to the strange circumstances because he, you know, this is a man who's managed all over the world and won trophies everywhere. So even though I have misgivings about Mourinho, I do. I do think that he will turn it around. Like I do think that Spurs will make a really good fist of these last nine games and certainly get close to those Champions League places. Let's dig a little bit deeper on those misgivings on Mourinho then, because it has been obviously an eventful season uh, at Tottenham with with uh, Mourinho coming in, replacing Maurizio Pochettino. H- how do you rate his his first few months in charge? Well, I think it's really hard. It's really hard to judge Mourinho on the basis of the the few months he's had in the job so far because he walked into a I think a uniquely difficult situation in his career in that he walked into a, he walked into a team who were physically and mentally exhausted after years of hard work under Pochettino and losing the Champions League final he walked into a team who had just sacked their most popular manager in modern history a team that didn't really have much money to spend in the transfer market um a team that was struggling with injuries and he's continued to sustain injuries to his key players over the course of his brief tenure at Spurs. And then he, he somehow had to find a way to to lift them and rebuild them mid-season. Like, he's never, he's never had a job like this before. Um, so given the state of the squad and how unbalanced it is and it doesn't really have a properly functioning midfield and then to lose Kane and Son at the same time, his two best goal scorers, has made you know it has made the job tremendously difficult. He had to deal with the, you know the the contract situations of Ericsson and Vertonghen and Alderweireld as well, and Danny Rose wanting to go, and all these different circumstances have made it an incredibly difficult job. So I don't think it's fair to judge him on results so far, and I would and and I have never judged Mourinho on results. I do think it's fair to have questions about whether or not his approach is right for Spurs. Um, I don't think the performances have been good at all. I can't even. I can't really think of a game where I thought Spurs played well or convincingly. Uh, admittedly, that you know that does have something to do with the circumstances, but it also has something to do with the way they approach the games. Even in you know the greatest success in the Mourinho era so far, I think is probably the Manchester City game where they won where they won at at White Hart Lane. And even then, I didn't think they were great. I thought they. You know, it was just a well-executed, backs-to-the-wall, backs skin-of-the-teeth type of display. And I don't think it's it's necessarily how a team of those resources should should be playing. I also think there's question marks about his relationships with the players. I think his treatment of Tangi and Dombele, uh, hammering him in public, has been unfair. And I don't... I think that makes us question whether... Mourinho really knows how to get the most out of, you know, the next generation of young players, which is something which he struggled with in his recent jobs at Chelsea and back at Manchester United. Um, so I think there's certainly question marks as to whether or not Mourinho is the right man for the job, whether or not he sh- was the right man to replace Pochettino. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticise him for the results being bad because I do think that the situation he walked into is exceptionally difficult. Do you think he's he's evolved um, as a as a person, uh, having had you know a, a relatively long period of time out of out of work prior to coming in at Tottenham, and he he sort of came in with a a feeling of I'm going to be a, a new man. Is he a new man? He says he is. Um, Mourinho has talked a lot about you know he talked a lot about personal development and assessing his own work, and Charles Darwin, I think, and evolution. Uh, and I think Mourinho wants this to be seen as a, you know, a relaunch for himself, doing it in a different way, 
um, be you know taking on um, taking on a harder challenge than he has done in the past. Um, is he actually different? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think it's too early. I think it's too early to judge him in terms of on the pitch. And again, the on the pitch context is incredibly different from Manchester United, where as much as he liked to complain, he did have a lot of money to spend, and he did have top, you know he had top top players. He had Sanchez and Pogba, and all these guys. And now he just doesn't really have he doesn't really have the quality, and he certainly doesn't really have the money uh, compared to in previous jobs. But is he different in terms of his tactics? Not obviously, I don't think. I think it's. It seems fairly kind of standard Mourinho form. Lots of long balls, not too fast about possession. Um, quite reactive. Don't really want to... They don't really play anything like, you know, what we see as the new standard of Premier League football, as, as shown by Klopp's Liverpool and Guardiola's Manchester City. I don't think that's necessarily fatal. Like, I don't think... I think I think you can win the league playing like Mourinho plays, but... And Conte's Chelsea showed that. Mourinho won the Premier League as recently as 2015, remember? Um, so tactically, I don't think he's very different. In terms of his relationships with the players, well, I don't think... I think the Ndombele situation suggests that he is still the kind of, you know, the same old Mourinho of the last few years. You know, this is what he calls uh, provocative leadership, I think is the phrase. You know, he likes to push his players to try and spark a response out of them. And obviously, you know, my, my own take on Mourinho is that he was the best manager possible for you know the old generation of players the generation of John Terry and Frank Lampard and SEN and then uh Cambiasso and Materazzi and Schneider and those guys at Inter and obviously all those guys at Porto Deco Carvalho etc he got everything out of those players and he was no one was better at that's kind of psychological tricks and psychological power over the squads that he had in you know in the last decade in the 2000s but i think that his psychological approach doesn't work so well with kind of millennial players generation z players you know whether that's we've seen that from uh pogba and shaw and martial and rashford at manchester united we've seen that when he's second time around at chelsea and eventually falling out with oscar and hazard and you know those players who had won him the title the previous season and then, of course, and you know, I think now at Tottenham, there are, when you look at his treatment of Ndombele, there are question marks as to whether or not Mourinho can get the best out of him. Can Mourinho get the best out of the next generation of young players? Frank, I don't think there's any evidence that he can, to be honest. Uh, I mean, he might say McTominay. I think McTominay would be the one counterexample of a young player who has performed well under Mourinho in recent years. But uh, you know, I think, frankly, I think there's more examples in the other column, to be honest. Um, and I do. That is why I have. That's why I I'm, wouldn't necessarily buy the narrative that Mourinho has changed. I think it is. You know, how many people do change in their fifties? Like not many. I think it is the same Mourinho that we've seen seen before. And I'm not. I'm not especially optimistic about him delivering the results that Tottenham need in the medium term. Well, one thing that will help. Um, is the fact that Harry Kane is back in the squad. I mean, that, that is the the one bonus that has come from uh, the the lockdown period that he's had a longer period of time to, to recover from injury. I mean, just sum up how big a miss he has been since what, playing at the beginning, very beginning of, of the year. Oh, it's a huge miss. Um, he uh, He's obviously Spurs' best and most important player. 
I think. It's not, I mean, his goals record this year again, he's got 27 goals in 31 games for club and country. So he's obviously not doing badly. But even then, it's more than the goals. It's the presence, it's the leadership, it's the ability to hold on to the ball, particularly given how Mourinho wants to play now, which is obviously quite a long ball compared to how Pochettino wanted to play. You need someone who can take the ball down and control it and bring others into play. And Kane is brilliant at that. Um, so they really, really miss him. And frankly, like the last the last few weeks of the season, particularly after Hume Son broke his arm as well, and was missing was so dispiriting because you would see Lloris hammer the ball up the pitch and they'd be left with Lucas Moura playing up front on his own and Lucas Moura is about five foot seven and he would jump up in the air and lose the header to like a, a big centre back like Tyrone Mings or whoever and then the ball would come straight back and Spurs wouldn't know what to do and Lucas would try really hard but it just wouldn't work and now if you put Kane in that position then Spurs can keep the ball they can move up the pitch Kane is brilliant at bringing others into play. We've seen that with how he plays for England. And then, of course, you know, he might not be quite the same player as he was three years ago, but he is still absolutely deadly in the box. A fantastic finisher, header, penalty taker, free kicks, all the rest of it. So I do think he is going to have a big, big difference, particularly if he can, you know, for him to be reunited with Son up front. And that's one of the main reasons why I, I do think Spurs will get very close to Champions League. In terms of Harry Kane's future, how pivotal is this this final period of time if he can get back scoring and enjoying being at Tottenham um with a view to what potentially could happen in the summer if if a if a bigger club that is going to be definitely in the Champions League comes sniffing around or is that too do you think it's going to be too short a, a transfer window and the turnaround is going to be uh, too quick and the complexities of the deal would be would be too great um for him to leave I would be absolutely shocked if he left. I just can't see it happening. You know, I know that I think Kane certainly, you know, opened the possibility of the op- other options that might be out there, particularly as he's, you know, not as young as he used to be and he wants to win trophies and all, you know, we know all of this and Kane has not, you know, if you, Kane is quite clever when he's asked about this, about how, what his future plans might be, but there's just not going to be a market for him, I think. He's got four years left in his contract. Daniel Levy will not sell his best player with four years left in his contract unless he is offered, I don't know, £150 million, let's say, £200 million. Who, you know, who in the coronavirus world is going to spend that money? Like, no, Even the big clubs are spending less money than, than they would have done in the past. And I can't even, you know, how many clubs could afford Kane? Like Manchester United maybe, but they're going for Sancho and Grealish. Don't think Real Madrid are going to do anything. Uh, PSG have just bought Icardi. Uh, Chelsea have bought Werner. And that's kind of it. Like that's the, That is basically the list of clubs that he could go to. So I just can't see... I can't see anybody coming up with the right... Coming up with the money. Coming up with the money to make Levy sell him. And like, Levy will not be pushed into it unless it's in his interests. And so, no. I, I basically don't see... I kind of... It's difficult to make circumstances at times like these because we're living in unprecedented times. But I cannot see any plausible combination of circumstances that leads to Harry Kane leaving Tottenham this year. 
cut to shot of him holding another team's <laughs> shirt yeah. in about in a couple of months' time. Can't wait. No, I, 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 I completely agree. Um, it is highly, highly unlikely. I just wanted to ask the question. Um, in terms of other, you know, other potential departures, obviously we've seen Christian Eriksen leave. Uh, Jan Vertonghen is going to be departing this summer. Are there other more realistic um, exits on on the uh, on the horizon? Well. Eric Dyer still hasn't signed a new contract at Tottenham. Uh, and until he does, I think people will ask questions about whether he might go. Um, Tangi and Dombele, obviously Spurs' record signing. Um, had, I think Spurs' last Premier League game was that game against Burnley where Mourinho hammered and Dombele after. And it is, I think it is fair enough to ask. And it, you know, it just, would it make sense for someone who's so highly paid and so expensive to be sat on the bench if the manager doesn't want him? Uh, I I understand that Barcelona and PSG are both interested in Ndombele, but again, I think he might be a victim of the kind of post-coronavirus football market in the sense that no one's going to stump up £50 million this summer for a player about over whom there are huge question marks. Maybe, he, maybe he'd go on loan. I don't know. Um, I think it, a lot of that would depend on Levy and Mourinho, to be honest. Um, so those are the two big names that stand out. Then there's a few kind of fringy players or players about whom there've been question marks for a while. Like I don't, I you know Spurs have tried to sell Serge Aurier enough times in the past and not really succeeded. Uh, I know he's done fairly well under Mourinho recently, but he's 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 still a very flawed player. Um, so his name stands out. Um, Sissoko, I think, will probably have to prove his fitness. Eric Lamella has been in and, in and out this season. Lucas Moore has been, you know, doesn't always convince. But so there's a yeah, there's a few names of question marks. But I think, um, and of course, D- Danny Rose, his loan to Newcastle like United, I imagine, will be made per- permanent. But I think Dyer and Ndombele are probably the two more interesting names on that list. Just one final question, Jack. I mean, how do you see um, the potential of, of Spurs bringing in players rather than letting players leave and what areas do you think Mourinho has already earmarked as essential to strengthen in? Well I don't think Spurs will be bringing anyone in unless they sell that seems to be the club's position um, I think they 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 admit that it's going to be a very difficult year financially um, that's why they took out the 175 million pound loan from the Bank of England uh, the Covid corporate finance facility to help cover some costs and help with a bit of financial flexibility over the next year, uh, because they have been, you know, they have been hit hard by this. Even though they are a very, very profitable, well-run club, they were banking on, you know, home games in their fantastic new stadium, all sorts of money-spinning events. Anthony Joshua, Guns and Roses, Lady Gaga, NFL, Rugby League, Rugby Union, all being held at the stadium this summer. So it's going to be a big financial hit, and Spurs Spurs even said when they confirmed our story in the Athletic about taking the the Bank of England loan that they would not be spending that money on transfers. So I wouldn't expect Spurs to be very busy unless there are high profile sales. In terms of positions, well, they need quite a lot. I think they they need a very good holding midfielder. I think more than anything else because they they haven't had one for, since Victor Wanyama's knees caught up with him. That was about three years ago. Uh, they need a really reliable right back because Serge Aurier isn't. Um, they probably need a left back as well. I think they can muddle through at centre back, um, and because they, you know going forward they have got, they've got good players like Kane. They've got other good attacking players. They've got good creative midfielders. But yeah, if they can if they could just find a way to scrape together the money for a holding midfielder and two full backs, then I would I would be slightly more confident about next season. 
but I, you know, in this day and age, you just don't know, do you? Like, you don't know how they will find the money, particularly given that they'll be competing with teams who are less financially affected by coronavirus. Like, look at, you know, Chelsea have signed Ziyech and Ver- Chelsea probably Spurs' closest rivals in the table. And they've just signed Ziyech and Werner, like two world-class players for, what, 50 million-ish each. So, and that's because, you know, they have a, they're owned by an incredibly wealthy man. Um who puts a lot of money into the club. So it's, it's obviously like a very difficult financial climate for Tottenham with coronavirus. Uh, and I worry for them that they might lose a bit of ground to some of their better funded rivals. But, you know, you, you never know. I don't, think, I don't think they're that far away from getting it right, but they're not there yet. Jack? Brilliant work, as always. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, don't forget that if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, make sure that you go to theathletic.com forward slash Ornstein and Chapman to enjoy all of Jack's writing on Spurs and much, much more. Uh, you can currently take advantage of a 30-day free trial if you want to try it out before committing to a full subscription. And with that, you'll be able to enjoy all the best football writing as the Premier League returns. And we were talking about it a little bit earlier on. Uh, make sure that you download The Athletic's dedicated Spurs podcast The View from the Lane. Uh, Jack and the team release a new podcast every single week and there is one coming up a special episode after that opening game of the restart against Manchester United so look out for that uh, and keep an eye out on this podcast feed and the Athletic app to hear all 20 of our Premier League countdown podcasts each one dedicated to a different team. We'll see you soon for the next one.